Hello and welcome to another episode of the Meat and One Veg podcast with me, food writer and general nuisance Simon Carlo. I've made a career from honest writing on my blog, and here we bring to you the best in food and drink, unapologetically bromium and a little bit sweary. This episode finds you from Purecraft, home of beer and the best scotch egg in Birmingham. In keeping with that, I have a large glass of Rioja and a sausage roll. Coming up later, we'll go for pizza in pizza with Pip from Pip's Hot Sauce, and we'll meet James Wong of Chungying. But first, we're up to some antics with Sanal, the sommelier from The Wilderness. The Wilderness is a fine dining restaurant in the Jewelry Quarter, known for its loud music and avant-garde-style food. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks very much for um, getting me involved in the podcast. Should we, um, should we eat some food? Are you hungry? I, I mean, honestly, probably not. Looking at what we've got on the table, almost certainly not. I can see the grease leaking out of one of the items. I mean, I'm not being funny, right? But I fucking love dirty food and <laughs> wine. I mean, don't get me wrong, on the weekend, like, I mean, people will say, oh, he's a fucking sommelier, he's a wine person, rah, rah, rah. I said, you know what? I drink Carling on the weekend. And I drink Jaeger bombs and banana sambucas. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm a normal kind of guy. Don't get me wrong, you know? People say, oh, what do you recommend? Oh, you must be a really nightmare to go take him out to go and, go and, uh, go and drink with. I said, look, kind of Carling, I'm all right. Pint of coffee, banana sambuca, yeah. job done. That's it, yeah. you know? Right, so uh, the first thing we brought you, and I apologise that we're going to have to eat this this morning, uh, is a rather anemic looking vegan sausage roll from Greg's. Oh, amazing. Have you seen the state of that? Yeah, it looks quite pale, to be fair. I mean, it's nearly as white as the bloody plate. It's quite phallic looking, isn't it? Uh, I've never tried them before, to be honest. It's, um,. I think they've done a, a really good job of making it taste like... Uh, Palatable. Like pork. I mean, if you want to have a quick taste of it and then uh, we'll go and pair it up to some wines. <laughs> it's not too bad, to be fair. It, it does taste like pork. It's, it's the pastry. Yeah, it just tastes a bit papery, doesn't it? Oh, it, yeah. It's it tastes a bit like synthetic, like a bit fake. It's really pappy. I think mean, that's because it's... It's, the, it's missing that butter, isn't it? Yeah, It's yeah. missing the butter and the love. It's missing the butter. So have you got something in mind for that? I've always been interested in kind of doing pairings with wines and like junk food, because I think it's amazing. I mean, it just kind of makes wines a lot more approachable and accessible at the same time, you know? You don't have to be thinking about eating caviar and drinking uh, champagne, although I've got a good idea for champagne for the next one. Um, and it's just making things a lot more approachable and saying, well, actually, you know what, let's have fun with wine and enjoy it with things that we do on a regular basis, you know? Great, let's go. Let's Come on in, Seymour, let's go to our cellar. Let's have a toasted You have like a normal sausage roll with things a bit more buttery and pastry. You can maybe go with something like a rich Chardonnay. Something from like California, that's quite buttery. Um, there's kind of classic flavors of uh, California, mineral notes, tropical. So you've got like La Crema, um, Chardonnay, uh, which is absolutely incredible, savory and rich. Tropical notes, lovely minerality, citrus. But because it's quite clean and you've also got a slight hints of kind of pepperiness, maybe go with something like a Riesling. Um, so I've got a wine coming from uh, Germany and this is also vegan, believe it or not. And actually having said that, there are lots of wines um, that are vegan and lots of guests who may not know that actually they use eggs 
um, fish in terms of filtering and fining and the production of making wine. So it's always quite important if those who are really, really strict on being a vegan. Fish guts. Yeah, 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 exactly. Fish guts. Yeah, so this is the uh, Auschleser uh, 2011. It's the Velna Zonanua. Uh, basically translates into the Sundial of Aelin, which is a kind of uh, clock uh, situated on the steep hills in the Moselle. So it's uh, everything basically has to be hand-picked. Uh, they literally abseil up and down to harvest grapes. So the fully optimal ripened grapes with a, a wine of 11 years now. It's got nice aging. And Reasons for me is a really kind of versatile wine because you can kind of pair it with different styles of cuisine, you know, be it Asian, classic food, and just takes on lovely kind of flavors. And it can be kind of super dry, super steely. We'll try the Chardonnay if we were to pretend it, pretend it was a normal sausage roll, but then we can just try them with, uh, with both if you want. All right, superb. I think this is one of the fun things about uh, look at you, kind look of- at you whipping the Coravan out. Why, why thank you. This, this is a treat in the morning. I think one of the nice things about it, I mean, obviously for our job, you know, we kind of spend time with the kitchen, brigade, and kind of sit down, taste the wine, taste the food dishes, and kind of say, well, hold on, what flavours do you want to kind of represent with the wine, you know? So sometimes, you know, you've got lots of salt, sweet, sour, spice. So these are the kind of things you have to look at when you're kind of pairing the wine. So you look at, for example, a vegan sausage roll, as sad as it is, um, you look, you've got a little bit of sweet, you also got a little bit of spice there as well with the pepperiness. It hasn't got as much of that kind of pastry note, but... You know, we can still kind of work with that. Which one first? Uh, I'll probably go, I, I will go with the, the one that we would recommend, so I reckon we should go with the Riesling. So, uh, that's a JJ Prune. That is a really good pairing. Good? That really works. That really works. I mean, the thing with, with the Rieslings is they begin to age, you know, they take on different flavours, slight kind of kerosene, petroleum noses, honey, citrus, and this has got everything to it, you know. It's only about 7.5%, but absolute banger. Um, it's seven and a half percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some I, of the German wines tend to be quite low. And again, because you, like, you talk about the pastry, now if the pastry was like, let's say if it was deep fried sausage roll or I don't know, something deep fried, you, go, you can go a little bit more richer. I mean, maybe try it with a Chardonnay and just see what, what you think. But if you were to present that, you know, there's a little bit more of that kind of buttery nuts. One thing that's also quite important is if obviously you're having brown sauce, tomato sauce, you know, you might have to change your complexity on the wine because you can't really choose something that will kind of then change the aspect because the sauce, which is also sweet and sour at the same time, completely kind of changes it. For me, the Chardonnay... Um, Bit too overpowering. It, it runs straight over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, 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 it's too much. And that's why, we, if you said, right, you know what, this is laden with butter, lots of that kind of pastry notes, you're like, yeah, I'm onto a, on, onto a winner then. And that's what you might want to pair if you were having just a regular sausage roll. But we've got Greg's... Famous vegan sausage roll. Oh, I'll tell you what, it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> Next one we've got is KFC. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I mean, KFC for me is probably one of my kind of naughty pleasures. Um, I remember when I was a kid, and actually still to this day, because I'm still a kid. What's the order to now? It's basically, no, no, I mean, it's always bargain bucket, standard, right? Bargain bucket. Hot wings as well. But I used to take the skin off the chicken thighs and wrap it around the chips and just like eat it, and I was like, I'm just making my mouth salivate now. Do you know, you, you disgust me. I love you too. <laughs> I've just seen what you've just whipped out. That sounds. You, you are about to open one of the true joys in life. Well, you know what, you, you gotta go hard or go home, <laughs> you know? I mean, this is where like, I mean, pleasure ex exists, you know? It's like, well, hold on a second, you've got the ultimate indulgence and expression of champagne. 
um, and you've got something that's just deep fried kind of goodness or badness, you know, I mean, let's not kind of this showcase how good this uh, is fried food works with uh, champagne. I mean, non-vintage champagnes always tend to be a good shout with crispy kind of fried chicken. Obviously, you've got the oiliness, you've got crisp notes. And again, you've got little bits of that seasoning on the, uh, on the outside. Um, I've always been a big fan of Krug. So what you've got here is Krug Grand Cuvée. So this is the 170th edition, uh, which is basically the 170th time that they've actually made Grand Cuvée. Uh, you've got Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier, uh, and also Chardonnay. And it's a champagne, one of the only champagne houses still to uh, ferment their wine in oak. So what that does gives you this lovely richness, character, lots of complexities. Uh, the interesting thing about Krug, the minimum age is about seven years, so it's selling for five years before it's released, and it goes up to about 20 years of age. And actually, in this bottle of champagne, you've got grapes that have been harvested all the way back to 1998. So you're drinking wines in this bottle, up to about 195, I think, that just kind of bring on lots of kind of flavours, textures, complexities, and just brings everything together, you know? So when you kind of pair it with food, you go, let the champagne sing, and just enjoy it, and sit back and relax, you know? So... Uh, Hope you guys enjoy it. This is, uh, this is my absolute favourite champagne. Um, I hope you enjoy it. And please note, this is really, we are really serving crew. We're not bringing in anything uh, less expensive. We're going to go hard, and that's what we do, right? Go, go big or go For hard. For Simon Carlo, we do it. <laughs> <laughs> so again, you've just got that nice kind of crunchy notes, a little bit of that seasoning again. Oh, man. That is, that is dreamy. And it just kind of cuts through, you know? It just cuts through the grease. That is the dream. It is. I mean, I mean, why would you not, you know? I mean, this is what, what makes it sexy, you know? You've got the acidity, you cut through the fat, got the saltiness, you've got the kind of spot seasoning on the chicken. I mean, see, if you were to pair that, for example, with like, let's say the Zinger towel with the tomato <laughs> salsa in the middle, you might have to kind of change. You might have to downgrade to Krug Rose, I don't know. But again, it's like one of those things, it's like having fun with it and go, actually, you know what? Where do I kind of sit with this? And champagnes are always a good shout with food, you know, and I always say to a guest, try and enjoy the champagne. Probably not having it so cold as well is always quite important. We always think about drinking sparkling wines as cold as possible. You know, if you're drinking kind of easy drinking styles, the colder the, the wine, the better, right? But when you're drinking champagnes or even white wines, you know, that are a little bit more expressive and got a lot of kind of complexities, you don't want to have it too cold because all you're going to do is just get fresh, uh, and fruit and acidity. Um, and there are just some, some wines that really need a little bit of love. That, without sounding like a wine wanker, and I'm very conscious that sometimes I do sound like a wine wanker, that handles the, the spice incredibly well. I mean, all those, all those secret spices, and we're pairing without knowing the spices as well. <laughs> you know, the Colonel's kept that under his hat. It's uh, sporty spice, baby spice, posh spice. <laughs> That's five of them. <laughs> well, we've got Chinese fire spice. Let's make ten. Ten, ten. Yeah, we're on this. I have to think about the other three. I'm going to guess that's 220 a bottle. At this price at the moment, we're 325. Fuck you, man. <laughs> I mean, you can go to you can go to like Selfridges or kind of really good independent retails, but you'll be probably be looking about 180, 190, maybe 200 pounds now for a bottle. Yeah. It's just because obviously there's been a massive shortage of champagne uh, in the last few years. Um, and people were drinking really, really well over lockdown, you know? So they were like, well, actually, you know what? What I'm going to spend my money on? Get my garden done or drink really, really good wine? I tried to get into natural wine over lockdown. Decide, decided that natural wine really isn't for me. You know, I'm in your shoes, you know? I, I really want to learn and appreciate and acknowledge the greatness. 
But I just can't get on with it myself, you know. I think they're really, really good. I think to getting in the younger generations of people to drink wine is a great way to do it, you know. I've been very, very fortunate to try some of the greatest wines in the world. Um, so I'm very happy to say, actually, you know what, it ain't for me. I mean, again, there is something for everyone, and we list wines um, that are natural origin, and I'd make sure that the ones that I find are the ones that I really enjoy drinking, but also want to kind of open up to the guests and say, actually, you know, this is something a little bit more different, you know? And we have it there, and it's available. I wouldn't advocate it. It's the same way there'll be lots of people who say, well, I don't really like this. I don't really want that. We all know that New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc is very, very popular, Argentinian Malbec, and if a guest wants to drink that, fair enough. I love it for them to love it. There's, there's definitely um, there's definitely a sticky culture, isn't there, where um, where a certain type of diner goes immediately to a Sauvignon Blanc, yeah. immediately to an Argentinian Malbec, yeah. and um, and the the only reason that I kind of found out personally about other grapes and stuff is I, I really love Burgundy, but I can't afford Burgundy. Absolutely. So so I moved then on to Zygalton. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, great yeah, wines. Just moved just over the border. Get, you get a German, you get a German, pain, I mean, as you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, is really, really great. You get Spatbegunder for half the price yeah. of what you would, you know, just over the other side of the border. I mean, I think I, I think that's the uh, the key, you know, when we're talking about pricing, just very quick, I mean, lots of the things and the misconceptions about wine, for example, like Burgundy is my favourite region, and Champagne, and it's like, you know, I love Pinot Noir, I love Chardonnay, um, and people, and lots of guests in the, my career have always said, I drink anything but Chardonnay, ABC. And I'm like, you know what? Chardonnay for me is probably one of the best expressions of grapes. But what's happened, it's almost been bastardized by all the cheap manipulations of making it. And whereas consumers, we'll go to a supermarket and we see something for $4.99 and we'll go, oh, okay, whatever it is from Southern Australia, Chardonnay. And you come home and it tastes sweet, manufactured, oaky, fake and artificial, right? And then you're kind of like, well, hold on a second, that's not what Chardonnay really represents. You know, you want to go up the ladder a couple of steps, you know, and it's not to patronise our guest, but it's also to say, you know what, rather than going to the supermarket picking the, the, the least expensive or the cheapest, go spend three or four more pounds and you actually realise the quality that you're going to get. You know, there's a fixed cost in, uh, in, uh, a bottle of wine is made, you know. Rather than spending five pounds to ten pounds, you're going to get a lot more better quality juice, you know. I suppose now would be a good opportunity to... Um to ask you a very simple question. Uh, if we're talking value, where, where are your top tips to go to? Um, at the moment, I'm a big fan of some of the Greek wines. Uh, I have been for the kind of past few years. I like wines like uh, Assertico, uh, which is very kind of shabby-esque, quite mineral, quite salty. The Assertico here is insane. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Let's have a toast to that. Let's have a toast for the real So we're gonna pair up now to uh, Birmingham Institution. We've got a pepperoni pizza from Big John's. Love it. Who um, we're assuming from the name is called John and is large in nature. You are, are you a fan of Big John's? Yeah, I mean, I think, was it New Year's Eve? I think I ordered um, Big John's, but I actually think I went for fried chicken. So I can't remember what I was Did I drink champagne? Yeah, probably. I think it was a bit of a bottle of Charles Hightick I had. <laughs> Cracked open that and a bit of fried chicken. I mean, that was after drinking Carlin before they kicked me out of my local pub. How, how long have you been um, this ridiculous for? You're talking about... 39, uh, 38 years, sorry. 30, 38 years, frequently ridiculous. Yeah. It's got to be done, isn't it, really, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, you know, we should, we should enjoy our experiences with food and wine and just enjoy ourselves, have a great time, you know? It's worth saying that, um, for those, obviously you can't see it, um, as much a fan of Big John's as I am, um, this seems to be leaking 
a, a very large amount of grease. So obviously you've got a pepperoni pizza here, nice kind of tomato paste against herbs, which kind of always play a part, okay? So a couple of wines that I've recommended, you've got pepperoni again, quite porky, meaty. Um, so first suggestion, I've got a wine uh, come from Piemonte, uh, Northwest Italy. Uh, so this is Barbera de Alba, um, which is uh, from GD Virens, a 2021 vintage. So quite a youthful style. Nice red fruits, touch of sweetness, um, but also quite dry and a lovely acidity, okay? Um, so again, you've got those flavors of tomato, and if you're gonna go for, let's say, a, a pizza without tomatoes, you might kind of move towards a white wine. That um, wine is delicious. Yeah. The tannin exactly, is just so not, elegant. Yeah, and the thing is, you, if you drink the wine on its own, before you've eaten, you'd be like, oh, it's quite dry. And it's a bit of a, you know, your mouth kind of does that suckery punch. You go, oh, Jesus. But then you try it and you go, hold on a second. That's the idea of having wines with tannins is because you can't, of course you can drink it on its own, you know? But the idea is that you want to integrate the tannins into making you, your, your mouth kind of salivate. So when you're chewing, the tannins integrate with that, you know? That's why the kind of balance and the structure is all behind. That's why we have wines in this style. I mean, we're pairing this on uh, uh, at the restaurant at the moment with our Big Mac. So you've got like a bavette steak. Uh, handmade uh, sourdough with a bit of garlic butter. You've got some pickled mushrooms, cheese custard, onion crumb. So we pair that and like, it's a nice way to kind of start because it's quite refreshing. And that's like kind of pepperiness as well. Uh, the other one that um, I'm also a big fan of is the Lewin Estate. So this is the art series Shiraz 2018 Vintage. So we're going Margaret River, Western Australia, just south of Perth. So it's not kind of heavily extracted style of Shiraz, okay? This has got a little bit more elegance. Again, a touch of sweetness on the nose with raspberries and violets, bit of French oak. Um, and then what you're gonna find on the palate, again, is really kind of elegance. Uh, those dark fruits, again, bright raspberry, but it's lovely kind of pepperiness on the finish, okay? I am gonna sound like a wine wanker again here now. That, that has a slight kind of gasoline fragrance to it. And that's sometimes one of those kind of flavor profiles you can get from Syrah, you know? It's got like really kind of almost like, not, not farmyard, but it just smells like really kind of funky and rubbery almost. That's quite a, I mean, that punches. Big punchy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that really punches. In my head, I'd want to drink that with game. Yeah, game. I mean, we serve it with the lamb dish at the moment in the restaurant. Um, again, because you get a spice. This, but I have a huge The Barbera. Yeah, it's great wine, yeah? It is absolutely delicious. It's just smooth, approachable, and it's not a complete uh, wallet buster either. Wallet buster? And I think that's the thing about wine sometimes, you know, we always think, all right, we overlook wines, and you go, actually, you know what? Go to the supermarkets, go to Aldi, you know, you get some great finds in there, and say, right, you know what? I've never tried this wine before. I'm a bit nervous how to pronounce it, but just throw it into your fucking basket. Just top tip, throw it into your fucking that's it, basket. That's it, don't be, don't be shy. <laughs> don't be shy. You know, it's, 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 it's one of the fun things, you know, it's like, all right, you know, we are creatures of habit, you know, we know what we know, we know what we like, you know? Thank you so much for your time. Thank Th you. Thank you for the wine. Pleasure. Uh, we'll, we'll be going and doing the next thing, maybe a little bit tipsy. Um, but I've been drinking Grug for breakfast, so um, frankly, who gives a fuck? Thank you very much for your time. It's been great to have you guys. And obviously, if you've got any of your friends or any of your followers who need any advice, let me know. Yeah, eat I'll at the wilderness. I'll do it cheaper. Yeah, eat at the wilderness. Come to the wilderness, absolutely. Come to the wilderness. Do not bring a Big John's pizza under any circumstances. Oh, but you can bring me a couple of cans of Carlin though, that's right. Let's have a toast for the real ones.
Let's have a toast to that. We've got more from Sonal in future episodes. Just before it starts to stay. Oh, honey, you're getting that so wrong. Hey, got treat yourself. That's skills. Now we're in Pisa in Mosley, where we're joined by Pip Bradley from Pip's Hot Sauce. I'm sure you've all tasted Pip's Hot Sauce, but you've never heard her in person. Pip's a riot of fun and great company to be around. Enjoy. Hello, Pip. How are you? Hi, Simon. I'm all right. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. Life is grand. Good. Life is grand. Good. Thank you. Um, we're in pizza. Um, pizza. 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 Which, um, not, do they still sell your hot sauces here? Uh, yeah, they do. They use the uh, the classic La Boca del Diablo. So. That's, that's the one. Yep. I think when I wrote about this place back in the very, very early days, I noted how they had excellent choice of hot sauce on the table. A very, very good choice of hot sauce. It's, it's important. Um, and, uh, do you like it here? No, absolutely love it. Suffice to say, we do like a, bit, a good bit of pizza. I love a pizza. I, yeah, I quite often order a, a whole pizza to my house <laughs> on, on a Sunday and do half a lunch and half a dinner. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah, six slices of the tangy, two are spicy. It's a garlicky one for us. It's, it's the one. It's the With one. With Nagatropolis on it. Beautiful. Out of yours, um, famously the other evening, thought I was picking up a bottle of Stokes tomato ketchup <laughs> and then covered my chips in your Bloody Mary ketchup. Nice. I had an extremely sore arse the following <laughs> Well, I can't help that you've got a delicate constitution. I, I expected more from you, to my, be honest, Simon. My guts are fantastic when it comes to it, but they are not great to be covering on all the on all of the chips. Well, you need to try the hot, uh, my hot onions next, then. I haven't tried... I, I love your naga sauce. Yeah. Um, which is on sitting on the table. Yeah. Shi- shining away with its great taste awards. I had to bring it because you you basically said that you were going to feed me, so <laughs> I can't eat pizza without Nagatropolis on, I, so it had to go in the handbag. I am, I am definitely going to feed you, yeah. Excellent. That's my favourite one as well. Good, my favourite too. Your classic hot sauce, obviously, which the plow have renamed Hob and Hot Store Stuff. Yes, well, that was because... Because of me. No. It's called Hob and Hot Stuff after me. Is it really? It, Is that's... it really? I'm afraid reality doesn't actually <laughs> sort of measure up with that one, Simon. Actually, it's because I actually created the recipe for my first sauce, that one, when I was having lunch in the plow one day. I was basically hungover... I had PMT, was in a foul mood and Matt had taken me for lunch there and um, there was no hot sauce so um, to get me to shut up he got me to write a list of what would be in my ideal chilli sauce on the back of a napkin and um, it became that sauce and then I had a bottle in my handbag that I was using myself there and one of the guys who used to work there grabbed it and gave it to Adam the owner and Adam came out and ordered some. So they were my first ever customers. So when Adam said, first of all, it was, can you give me a bespoke hot sauce? And I was like, well, no, not really, because this is the perfect hot sauce for here. I invented it here. So we just kind of tweaked the name for them. So, you know. So that was the inception of Pips? Yeah. What did you do before Pips? Loads, because I'm basically a shit employee. Because you must have been balling to be eating in the plow all the time. <laughs> Uh, no, it was Matt. He took me out. Um, no, I was actually, um, I was really skinny. I was working for the Wildlife Trust. Um, loved my job. I was doing sort of community engagement and educational work with hard to reach communities. And I say that in inverted commas. Um, 
but yeah, just didn't have much money and was really skinned. So um, yeah, so Matt took me. Matt paid for that one. But that's kind of why it nicely sort of, you know, I fell into the hot sauce making. Because I was so skinned, I'd written that recipe and I gave lots of jars to loads of people for Christmas and everybody bar one and he's a bit of a dickhead anyway asked for a jar back and they wanted more so it just kind of snowballed from my friends going oh you've got to do something with this you've got to do something with this so yeah and look at you now owning the hot sauce scene in Birmingham yeah yeah man own it you own it oh, bloody hope so too you've got it trademarked Birmingham hot sauce ah. <laughs> where else can we find pips in Birmingham in restaurants? Um, all good independents. Yeah, so we stick to the more sort of like like-minded independent people, so. Yeah, the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> you may say that, I yeah. can possibly comment. <laughs> What's the furthest you've shipped a bottle of Pips? Oh God, we've had that in Australia, Canada, all over the place. Yeah, all over the place. I have to say, since Brexit, we don't do much overseas stuff anymore because it's just fucking ridiculously expensive. But we have got customers all over the world. I've been sent photos of people standing on the, in Sydney Harbour um, with bottles of sauce and stuff like that. If I was better at social media and I didn't fucking hate it so much, I'd probably share things like that. Before we started recording, Pip said, I don't like none of that natural shit when it came to mind. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. You can edit that out, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but we found one that she does like. Yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it's blue, Booze. blue Nun. <laughs> I'm starving. Shall yeah, we, yeah, 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 definitely. Can we order some food, please? Absolutely. What can I get for you? I would, um, I would like uh, a tangy, please. Garlicky, please. As as you know, I do um, I do some hot sauce judging for the Gold of Fine Foods, and I'm not going to name names, but the the quality in the quality difference and the approach to hot sauces has really kind of opened my eyes to just how good the very best people are, such as yourself, at making them. I've seen so many ones which naturally fermented, which are just awful, and I'm and occasionally I'm. Not entirely sure how safe they are to eat. Oh, fuck, yeah, totally. It makes my toes curl a little bit thinking about the sort of quality and if the safety. De- if you're dealing with bacteria mm-hmm. and letting bacteria grow yeah. and you're making it yep. in an environment that's not 100% sterile. Yeah, and it's got to be like, you know, lab science. science yeah. Science lab time sterile. Uh, it's quite a dangerous game. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I don't do fermentation, although I love fermented sauces or some of them. Um, because I don't have the patience and I don't have the space for doing that and keeping them in a controlled environment for long enough. So it's just not something that, you know, I've got the capacity to do. And I don't, or also that, that there's so many elements to it that scare me a little bit. And I don't know how you can do your biological testing with that either. Biological testing. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, you've got to test, test the microbes in it and te- test their safe and everything. And there's so much variable and every every different batch surely has got to be different. So they're just, that kind of makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Doing, I think I've told you this before, um, doing the hot sauce judging is one of the most interesting experiences of your life because unlike the other judging that you do at the Guild where you've got a lot of people with kind of very honed palettes talking about stuff the hot sauce days are a mixture of three people you have the general people who do general judging such as myself Mm. you have the people who scientifically know 
chilies. For example, there's a guy there who's a professor of chilies. Oh, fucking hell. And then you've also got the hot sauce freaks, like the lads from Clifton Chili Cup. Right, okay. Who, by their own admission, maybe been dulled down a bit by all the chilies that they've eaten all across yeah. their life yeah. so it's a, it's a real I think to get two stars as your Boca Diablo's got and the pineapple one yeah uh, yeah, yeah. ooh pizza pizza thank you garlic yes thank you thank you I absolutely love love this pizza uh, same. Oh. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick it one bit further and say that um, it's better than any size shop I went to in New York. Really? Oh. Mm. Yeah. It's been absolutely freaking ages since I went to New York, and um, although at the time I really, really, really loved pizza, I just remember it being a grease fest, <laughs> and, yeah. and that's different. It's not a grease fest. I went with an ex and her mother. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. It was a interesting experience. Mm. Yeah. I'll tell you what, that wine and the garlic. Oop. I'll get you another glass in a second. Oh, yeah. I'm only here for the free food and beans. Oh, no, yeah. Though. How does the worst tasting pizza here? It tastes absolutely fucking brilliant. <laughs> you are so wrong. Don't, don't try and bully me with your I'm a professional food critic stuff. I'm telling you, it's a shizzle. I know nothing. Well, I know obviously. nothing. So, you don't eat meat, do you? Uh, no. I've been pretty much on and off um, vegan or vegetarian my entire life. Mainly because my mum had a really bad... Um, not from any principles, she just had a really, really bad relationship with food. So, we were actually um, vegan for a, a period in the 90s as well. And that, that, that wasn't as accessible as it is now at all. No. No. And for some reason, nobody realised that dark chocolate was actually vegan. I remember being given a carob Easter egg. Thank God that seems to be a product that's died the death, which is quite quite rightly so, because it is not a nice thing. But, um, yeah, so things have moved on, though, and it's a lot more accessible, so that's all good. On the subject of cooking and making stuff, mm. you've got a vegan burger with a plow. Mm. I have, yeah. That bears your name. It does, yeah. <laughs> so what's the basis of it? Well, it's a little bit Satan. Um, but not loads because I think anything that's too much Satan is a bit um, too heavy. So it's Satan and mushroom. Satan can also be really crying. Yeah, yeah well, it's dope, yeah. isn't it? So, you know, uh, it's got black beans, it's got mushrooms, it's got some of my rubbing as well. And, it, you know, other things to sort of break up the texture of it. So, but it's, um, it's my sort of go-to recipe. Have you tried it since they started selling it? Yeah. And more importantly, does Adam give it you for free? Oh, yeah, of course I do. Of course he does, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never pay for a burger again. Absolutely. <laughs> for me to get free food in the plow, I have to pretend I'm recording a podcast in there. <laughs> is that what this yeah. is? Just an elaborate ruse to get free food? It is an elaborate uh, ruse. Mate, yeah. as long as I'm milking off it, I'm, I'm fine with that. This will never see the light of day. <laughs> food pairings. Okay. What's your favourite ones with your sauces? Well, it's really difficult to ask because... Well, it's not really difficult to ask. It's actually really easy to ask, answer because um, I'm such a creature of habit that I just literally have Nagatropolis on everything. Um, Matt has the Cure for Life, which is our collaboration with Focker Wolf and Provide. Um, and he absolutely... He will not go in mourning without having that on his scrambled eggs. Um, 
for me, my main food group is really cheap ramen noodles. I love them. I cannot get enough. I'm terrible. Do you mean pot? Um, you mean pot noodles? No, I don't mean pot noodles. They're too expensive. Um, I mean, um, from the Chinese supermarket. Right, so if I was to name some some quite beige food straight off the top of my head. Okay. Oh, and tell me which one of your range you would have with it. Okay. Fried egg. If I didn't just eat Nagatropolis. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so fried egg. Nagatropolis. <laughs> Nagatropolis. Okay. Tuna, tuna mayo. Oh, actually, I might go for the green one with that one. I, I was thinking green yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Goes really well with fish cakes and things like that. Pyman's lunch. Oh, pineapple. Why? Because it's got nice tanginess with cheese. Perfect. And also because I like that on salad. Beans on toast. Nagatropolis. <laughs> I do. Oh, no, all no, the boozy barbecue. The, uh, I actually have naga. I put the naga into my baked beans when yeah, I'm cooking yeah. it. Yeah. Knob of butter. Load of naga. Yeah. Cook the beans down. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. That's the way to do it. It is the way. You want to integrate the pain. Yeah. And also, if you, I mean, depending on how, how hot you like it, really, really lazy um, jar pasta sauce, either Naga or La Bocca del Diablo, and you've got an instant arrabbiata. Instant arrabbiata. Yeah. <laughs> what a life hack that is. <laughs> Antonio Coluccio is spinning in his grave right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's except, fine. Except he wouldn't be able to spin because he was quite a large bloke. Yeah, well, yeah. you know what I mean. Just accessible. I was once sick on Antonio Colucci's foot. Oh, that's nice. I've, um, if we're talking about um, Michelin-starred places, you've been sick. I've been sick in Carters. Y- yes. We, we keep on saying we're going to go to Carters for yeah, that. Well, when? Yeah, when? are we going to go to Carters? And I promise I won't far up. Well, I won't, I won't get really, really pissed beforehand and then have a spliff and pull a white egg. I've just I've offered to pay, haven't I? That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. Should yeah, I get my diary out? Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, this is basically how my dating life works now. You know that I'm, I'm happily engaged. <laughs> Pip, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, um, cheers, Simon. Really so can we just, like, reiterate, can we just go back over a couple <laughs> yeah. of things? So where are we on the Carters? I'd, I'd definitely pay for Carters. Uh, yes. Okay. If, if this becomes a hit, yeah. which, let's be honest, it, it contains me, so it won't. Um. <laughs> hey, but it contains me. <laughs> Looks like I'm going to have to buy Pips some dinner in Carter's. Talking of the Antonio Coluccio one, for those who are wondering, I went on a very nice press tour and was joined by Antonio Coluccio. We drank some grappa, a lot of grappa, and I finished the night by throwing up onto his shoes. May he rest in peace. What a great bloke. That is absolutely delicious. That's insanely delicious. It absolutely bangs. Can confirm that's absolutely delicious. That is absolutely atrocious. So we're joined for a beer with James Wong of a Chungying. How are you, James? Yes, very good, very good. So uh, always lovely to have a beer at uh, Purecraft. Oh, yes, I've, I've known James for many, many, many years. Uh, yeah, don't so. We're not that old. Okay. We, no, we are that old. <laughs> we're absolutely that old. For those who are unaware, James is a co-owner of a very, very long-standing uh, restaurant called Chungying, which is found in the heart of Chinatown, and I believe it's 42 years. Yeah, so my dad opened it back in 1981. I was seven years old. So, yeah, so then I, I took over, and back in the days, you know, you know, I still remember. I actually just came back from Hong Kong, so when dad was, like, kind of making his career and doing everything else, so, you know, he, he you know, I, I was shipped over... Uh, together with my other brother. So four and two, we went to Hong Kong for three years, came back 81, and that's when Chungying started. Did you and your brother play in Chungying? Was it like 
Do you, did you grow up in that restaurant? Yeah, um, I, not so much. I think Chongying Garden was a bit more because we're a little bit older. So Chongying Garden was open in 87, so that I was 11 then. Oh, was I 11? Bloody hell, I can't remember, 13. <laughs> did, um, did everyone from your school tap you up for free food? No, not at all, actually. Back in the days, we were very shy kids. My English was absolutely terrible until I got into university. And uh, it's just the fact that uh, I think we lived a very sheltered life. Uh, my mum was overly protective of us. We actually never see anybody <laughs> and uh, never make, uh, you know, go out with friends. Very different now. Yeah, very different. I mean, I only say it because I... My first girlfriend at school was um, a lovely girl called Didi Peng, and we definitely stayed together longer than we needed to because I used to eat in her dad's Cantonese restaurant at, at, in, the Mary, in Mary Hill. Fantastic. Pretty much every week, religiously. Probably, probably know the owner. <laughs> <laughs> I miss Didi. Yeah. <laughs> <Or> food. <laughs> And um, we got some congratulations in order because I gather you've just won Best Dumpling at the Golden Chopsticks Awards. Yeah, we won the, yeah, the Dumplings Awards, thank you. Yeah, so we, uh, last year, we were up against some amazing competitions and, uh, you know, we, we were invited down to go to a very plush hotel down at Mayfair, London. And then actually, <laughs> we didn't expect to win anything. So uh, we walked in and, uh, you know, <laughs> had some... Uh, Kirin beer, which is on tap free, and uh, so yeah, uh, so all uh, everyone on our table just enjoyed the hospitality. It was absolutely fantastic. Is that a polite way of saying that you all got very pissed? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, was, it was quite funny because like, um, so when by the time we got to the table, the table was again full of booze, and I think there was like two bottled gin as well. It's like you, you know how dangerous it could be. And then uh, Guan was the uh, presenter <laughs> on stage. And uh, I made such an impression. He kept saying, like, yeah, table 28. That's where we were. Because we were the only one that was making any noise, any, <laughs> any uh, ambience. Because everyone else, like, you know, in their plush, uh, you know, tuxedo, very proper, everything else. And there we are, we're banging tables and <laughs> everything else, chanting and everything else. And then, uh, actually, I think the third award, was, uh, was, the, was the best dumpling. I think by that time we were all pretty merry and, and uh, we were one. Do you <laughs> remember is, who uh, was in your category? No. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. Could literally yeah, be anybody. Yeah, yeah, it could be anybody. But, but, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, I think there's quite a couple of the other ones, but the people that won in different categories were, were really, really uh, high caliber people. I think A Wong won something. Uh, yeah, part Chinois, which is right next to the table next to us. They won something. And uh, yeah, so I've, the, the, the evening was a bit of a blur, but uh, it was a great experience, great experience. One day when I'm rich, I'll go to Part Chinois. Oh, I still haven't been. They owe me, because uh, we had two extra seats, so two, two lovely ladies came if, sit on the if table. If they owe me, you're taking me with you. It's so expensive. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. It's so expensive. They have caviar on their, on, their, on their duck wraps. That's the kind of thing you like, don't you? Yeah, so That's what I like. I'm a very basic guy. You know, give me a <laughs> roast duck and rice. That's, a, <laughs> that's, a, that's my luxury. Did you win for a specific dumpling, or was it um, just a general ca- category? I think the category that came... Uh, Originally, uh, I think we approached uh, to enter for the competition because uh, we won a lot, lot of national awards. Uh, sorry, uh, local awards. Uh, you know, with the you know the the Birmingham awards and the uh, the Million Food and Drinks awards and whatever. So we won all of those, and then we were 
We were told that, oh, I think you should go for this Golden Chopsticks Award. We have heard about the, you know, obviously this prestigious awards, but uh, I thought, you know, we'll never have a chance. So we, we entered anyway, and uh, my brother Will is really good at, <laughs> at uh, filling forms and things like that. So we put a really, really strong case. And then, uh, and also then it was down to like the judges voting and the public votes and things like that. And then, you know, we were surprised <laughs> that we won. I love your brother Will, and... Um I think it's doing him a bit of an injustice to say that his strongest skills are filling in forms. <laughs> well, the things that, because we, we have a very, very, uh, I think a good combination, because I do everything like kind of front of house, so anything that uh, happens, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, any waiters, and staff issue, cooking, if the restaurant's busy, I buy all the stocks, you know, I deal with all that. On the other side, is that, the fact that I don't reply to any emails, <laughs> the social media, emails, accounts, and things like that, you know, all of that. It's like, you know what, Will, you could deal with that, you know, because I'm rather be there, you know, be, be forward facing and dealing with all the problems. And at the end of the night, have a, a couple of cheeky beers. One or two. Just one or two. One or like two. Like last night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we was going for dim sum at Chungying, which dumplings would you, would you get people to order? I think one of the things I do, do you always says the the hagao, which is king prawn dumpling, and shiu mai, the pork and uh, prawn open top uh, open dumplings. They're always the most popular ones. But actually, our, our prawn and chive dumpling is pretty phenomenal. I think our uh, Shanghai dumpling. I, I love our Shanghai dumplings. Chiu chow dumplings, another one I really like. It's, I eat too many dumplings. You eat too many dumplings. <laughs> and how many people... Do you have someone who specialises in making yeah, dumplings? Yeah. So in our dim sum department, there's uh, six or seven people. Uh, so my main dim sum chef will come in like four or five o'clock in the morning to start and prepare dim sums and uh, some pastries and different things. So, you know, he's um, he's been with us for a good fair number of years. We do have other people that pop, uh, you know, uh, we go out to do venture to different restaurants, they'll come back in. So, you know, but uh, we always welcome people that so it works with us before. We do have a very, very uh, loyal staff, I said. So a lot of the, a lot of people inside our, our kitchen crew and front house has been there for, I say, 20 years, 20 plus years, some of them. I know from experience that you're, um, that you're kind of a figurehead character within the, the Chinese community in Birmingham. Do you get the chance to eat out in any other restaurants or is it just your own restaurants? I think sometimes it's difficult. Now I've got two young children, so we do go out, but it's kind of like, you know, whatever the kids want. And, you know, sometimes they go to chain restaurants like Pizza Express or Frankie and Benny's. You know, we, we, we go to those places because kids like them. Do I go out and eat as often as I want to? Not really. So because... Uh, a combination of uh, family life and business is just taking up most of my time. I mean, if you just uh, take yesterday as a as a random random day, I think I started off uh, started day during the day. There was an Easter uh, service uh, that my kid was there. Ten o'clock, I think ten o'clock till eight o'clock. I didn't stop. It was literally just back to back work and doing this and this that, and another. It, it was just crazy. And then I think until about eight eight thirty. Uh, a hip drone director was at a restaurant so I decided to pull up a chair and <laughs> pull, pull myself a pint and end up uh, drinking with, uh, with these guys until about, I don't know, it must be about midnight. But uh, Midnight, yeah. back up again, early one. Yeah, well, with kids, you, you have to, you know. So uh, my kid woke me up at 6.15 this morning so, you know, that's uh, something for you to look forward to, Simon. Indeed. Yeah, no, not anytime soon. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're responsible for doing, well, for... You was presenting this year, co-presenting for the New Year celebrations in 
in, right. yeah, in Chinatown. So yeah, so, so I'm the chair of the festival committee, uh, which organises uh, Chinese New Year and also uh, Mid Autumn Festival. But uh, you know, a lot is uh, it's been going on for decades. But I took over the realms, uh, the helms at 2014-15. Uh, and then uh, what, one of the things I want to try and do is actually grow the festival from before. It's always down inside Arcadian, then grew out to the different parts of the streets, then went, grew all the way to like Bull Ring, then we have, uh, you know, have line dances down Colmore Row, Joy Quarter this year, and also Westside. So the whole idea is that to try and spread a bit of Chinese culture to other parts of the city. Yeah, I've seen that you, you brought the, the dragon to various events that yeah, I've been at. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the things that, you know, for me, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a good way to showcase um, uh, our culture to different parts. One of the things is, is um, you know, I always say to people, I'm famous uh, once a year in January, February, <laughs> you know, everybody wants a piece of James. Then uh, for the next 10, 11 months, uh, nobody cares about James. There's a comment, whatever it is, and everyone wants me again. I but care about you, James. I know you do. I know I do. you do. <laughs> I really do care about you. Yeah, but this year, as I said, with the Chinese New Year Festival in, in Chinatown, is pretty phenomenal. Um, it was the busiest ever. And um, actually, I had to co-present because the, the MC dropped out literally on the morning of the uh, event. And I was like, oh, then I couldn't, I couldn't have my friend Phil, Phil Oldershaw, to run it by himself. And then we couldn't find anybody last minute to do it. And I thought, you know what? I'm not shy, am I? So, you know, so I could, went on stage. And, uh, shy is not a word I'd use to describe <laughs> you. It's so funny, some of my school friends look at me and say, are you the same James? Because <laughs> back in the days, I was shy. I literally didn't speak to anybody. You know, I wanted guys that were hanging around in the corner, you know, just uh, shy away from everything else, then change at university. James, thanks, thanks ever so much for your time. Obviously, I'm going to go and say everyone should eat a Chungying because it's fantastic. Um, and actually, I would agree with what James says, that prawn and chive dumpling is sensational. I think, as I said, nowadays, uh, Chinatown, if you never visited Birmingham Chinatown, it's so diverse now. The amount of different food offerings that we have, not just, obviously, our restaurant, but uh, in Southside, there's lots of different Chinese uh, cuisines. And not just, actually, there's a lot of Korean restaurants, Japanese restaurants. So, you know, it's a destination of foodie, uh, food eatery nowadays, which is, uh, which is great for the city of Birmingham. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Thanks mm. so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Cheers, take care. That is something that... I would probably never put in my body. And if that's all you're interested in, dear listener. I thought that was sweet corn. <laughs> it is what it is. Coming up next week, more stories and characters from the world of food and drink. And we'll be back with Tommy Matthews of Passing Fancies for another of his cupboard cocktails. As ever, I'd be eternally grateful if you could like, subscribe and leave a nice review for the podcast. If only so I can make some money and emigrate to northern Spain. This is the Meat and One Veg podcast, produced by Simon Bolshovsky for 969 Media. I'm Simon Carlo, and I'm off to get very drunk. Mm-hmm.